Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Developing Developers for the kickoff of the new year with our new series, Legends of Columbus Development. Throughout the next few months, I will sit down with those who have truly seen Columbus develop into what it is today. Today, I get to talk with Bob Weiler, a commercial real estate developer and founder of the Robert Weiler Company. But that's not all. Bob was recently honored with the Columbus Business First 2020 C-Suite Lifetime Achievement Award, and he is the founding member and current chairman of the Affordable Housing Trust. I could go on and on about the amazing programs Bob has been a part of and the impact he has made on Columbus development. He's truly a legend, but I'll let him take it from here. Thank you, Bob, for sitting down with me today to share your experience in development. It's great being with you, Allie. Thanks for inviting me. Of course. So let's start with the basics. How did you initially get started into development, and um, how did you get to where you are today? Well, thank you. I'm going to correct the record just slightly, (laughs) and that is uh, the founder of our company was my dad. Okay. And that was back in 1938. And I joined the company after I graduated from college in 1957. So I got to where I am because a wide path was cleared for me by my father who started the Robert Weiler Company. And I joined the company, and he was more involved in downtown leasing. And after a few years, I realized this wasn't my field, and I also flunked out residential selling. <laughs> so I went into uh, more into appraising and consulting. Mm-hmm. So I've gotten to where I am really because I've been surrounded with really good, capable people. And fast forward a bit, uh, my son Skip, who you know, joined the company after he graduated from the same school I went to, which was the University of Arizona in Tucson. And in 1985, he came in and really took over the brokerage side. And so now we have it divided up a bit. He takes the brokerage, and I am more involved in the appraisal. That's awesome. So it's truly a family business from the beginning. It has been. Very fortunate. It's uh, third generation now. That's great. Um, How did you know you first wanted to continue with commercial real estate development? When I was very young, uh, my dad was building a few homes on the east side in uh, Bexley and Berwick, Whitehall. uh, Not a big builder, but on weekends, he would take me with him and I'd go through those houses. And of course, I'd hear him talking about real estate uh, growing up, but I knew I wanted to go into that field. And one reason I went to Arizona is it was one of the very few schools back in the 1950s that had real estate as a major. And so uh, I took every real estate course that was offered and uh, was in love with real estate from early on. Yeah, that's so cool. And you can tell that you truly have a passion for it. (laughs) So that's awesome. You know, the great thing about it, Ali, you're involved in helping people make some of the biggest decisions of their life. You know it from what you're doing now. Mm -hmm. And there's a real feeling of satisfaction when you've been able to match a person up with what he or she's looking for. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's truly how you make an impact. So thank you for sharing that with us. Um, Could you tell me along the way, what are some of the most interesting projects you've gotten to be a part of and work on? Sure. Uh, Certainly the biggest 
And most interesting is the Polaris Centers mm -hmm. of Commerce. You knew it was coming, I could tell. <laughs> uh, and uh, it's most interesting because it's so diverse. Uh, where we have, as you know, commercial and office. We've gotten into apartments in a pretty big way. But just the fact you have so many pieces. And probably the most, one of the most interesting parts of it that I was involved in is working with the Glimpshire Company when they built the mall. Uh, we do not have a building company. We're land peddlers, I like to say. Uh, and early on, we thought that when you control the land, you really control the terms. Mm. Uh, and so we were able to control the land. And the we really is Bob Eckel, who was the first person who, uh, whose vision it was that uh, Polaris came into being. But he fortunately called me and Don Kelly to be his partner. So it's been hard to believe 30 years now, and it's been a phenomenal experience for us. It's been a great run. Wow. And that's such a cool project because there's so many different aspects to it. When you come across something like COVID, there are so many different types of properties that can succeed while others might be struggling a bit. You're right. And we're in a very unusual situation now. The awful things about COVID, uh, but people still need a place to live. Mm -hmm. And so the apartment market is extremely strong. And now with all the ordering online, you see all the industrial buildings, the distribution facilities, uh, the Amazons of the world. So industrial is very strong, too. The weak areas, unfortunately, are office primarily. And uh, with COVID, and the trend was there before COVID uh, as far as more people working from home. And now with te technology the way it is, I mean, you can... You can be on your cell phone vacationing mm -hmm. in Hawaii and people don't know where you are yeah. and, and you can still do business uh, there. So, uh, but with getting back to Polaris, the fact that there's so many different pieces and what we're trying to do now is to keep the momentum going because with any development, uh, you're either improving and getting better or you're leveling off and starting to go downhill. And so... More recently, we've added Costco, as you know, a few years back. And the big things uh, recently is, uh, is Top Golf mm -hmm. joined us. And uh, uh, what am I thinking of with the uh, furniture store that. Uh, is it IKEA? Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Don't tell the IKEA. Don't There's tell, a lot of furniture Don't tell the IKEA people I forgot them. <laughs> but IKEA, yeah. <laughs> IKEA is. Uh, is really a, a, a big draw. Mm -hmm. I was there at the opening of Ikea. Yes. And that was amazing. It is, yeah. It's cool. The, the only thing wrong with Ikea are the colors. They're more uh, Michigan colors than Ohio right. State. But, that's right. But we'll, we'll, we'll take them. Yeah. No, that is cool. I know people <laughs> drive from all over to go there. They do. And, um, yeah, as you drive up Gemini and you just go north. Or yes. Yeah, or west. Well, on Gemini... <laughs> Gemini runs generally east and west, but then we have a new street, which is or new extension of Lyra Drive yes. that goes on north to Keeps Powell, going. which will bring more people in. So, yes, uh, altogether we're probably pushing twelve, thirteen hundred acres, and it's wow. Bob Eckel. If I can go back for a second, because if it weren't mm -hmm. for him, there wouldn't be a Polaris. 
Uh, and it was his idea when he was working at Anheuser-Busch that this would be the next growth area if you could get interchange in. And so now we're down to about 300 acres left. But when Bob first envisioned what would happen there, and he was a land planner out of mm -hmm. uh, uh, St. Louis. He'd gone to Washington uh, University as a got his master's in land planning. And he sketched out uh, Polaris, and it's almost uncanny how close it is today wow. to what the way he drew, drew it out when it was nothing but farmland. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and he even put the mall where it is. And, wow. and we were joking. The only thing he missed was he had Neiman Marcus in there, and we had Saks instead. But other than that, he oh my he, gosh. He, he, he hit a grand slam. You have to have an imagination for that. He and did. That's yeah. truly bringing vision to value. We yeah, say that all the time. you're not just kidding. Wow. Oh, uh, other, cool. just real quickly, other developments that have been interesting. The, the, the largest land uh, development is what you're familiar with, North Star. Mm -hmm. And uh, unfortunately, we got hit with a recession in 2007 to 12 and then COVID. And so it's been off, on and off. Golf course developments, by and large, are not money makers, to say the least. Uh, golf courses are built because of this to develop the surrounding land. Mm -hmm. But then when you can't develop the land because you've got the COVID and recession and such, then you're sitting there with a golf course. So, and I'm not crying because I think <laughs> the outlook is very good, but, yeah. but it's been one of the more challenging yeah. So overall in all of Columbus, how have you seen major changes throughout the city? What are some big ones you can name? Yeah, the, the huge changes that I've seen when I first came into real estate, downtown was really thriving, and the the impetus was retail. We had the Lazarus Department Store, which probably is just a distant memory for many people, <laughs> but uh, it was a town and high. It had the largest market share per population of Columbus than any other uh, department store in any other city. Uh, and I don't know if it was 50%, 60%, but it was really high. Everybody, not exclusively, you had your other stores, but Lazarus was so dominant that when, and our office was right across the street on town and high, at town and high, at uh, nine o'clock in the morning when it opened, the lines would be all the way around from High Street, Downtown Street to Front Street, just waiting for the store to open. Wow. The foot traffic downtown was phenomenal. And so you just had a lot more activity downtown, a lot more excitement, a lot more people living downtown. And so the big change I see is uh, while it's coming back and under Mayor Coleman, who said he was his goal was to have 10,000 people residing downtown i think we're we're hitting that but it took a lot longer than he anticipated but the big growth has been in the suburbs as you know mm -hmm. so we've moved out and you know things always change we've moved out and now we're starting to move back in again so but uh the big change i've seen is in when i think about uh, delaware county uh, Tangi has, is building their fourth high school. Yeah. That's, those are big changes. Yeah. Westerville, of course, has three, but mm -hmm. a lot of schools have multiple high schools. That's been the big change that I've seen. 
And it's been caused largely by the interstate system because we have really good highways. I came here from downtown. Uh, it's not more than 20 minutes uh, from downtown, 25 minutes. And so we're spoiled. I'm getting carried away here. So <laughs> No, that's just, great. Just, Get just carried stop, away. Just turn me off whenever you're ready. <laughs> uh, is that uh, when you think of other cities, I have a daughter whose family lives in Washington, D.C., and we've visit other cities where it takes so long to go from mm -hmm. point A to point B. Here you can get almost anywhere in Franklin County in a half hour. That's right. It's just a big circle it around, is. which yeah. is very convenient. Yeah, between 270, 70, 71, then 670, taking it out towards uh, eastern area. You can, you can get everywhere. Yeah, actually explaining Columbus to someone from out of town is so simple because you just draw a circle and then you just draw the suburbs around it. Um, which makes it easy. So you're right. Now, when I was growing up, way back when, before there's an interstate, we described our highway system as like goalposts. See, uh -huh. and the goalposts were Broad Street and Main Street, and then the crossbar was High Street. Wow. And so I just I'm dating myself, but uh, <laughs> when there weren't any interstates when I got graduated from college, so that's just. Again, the big difference is High Street was the street, the corridor, and all the development. Across from Lazarus, I mentioned earlier, was another department store called the Union Department Store. There weren't branches then. So uh, there's been tremendous change. We're just a small town that's grown up. It's mm -hmm. a great way to put it. I love that. Um, so in all of your experience in the development process, what's your absolute favorite part of it, the whole process? People. That's a great answer. Absolutely. Tell me more. Yeah, that's, 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 whatever's in second place is way down the list. <laughs> and the fun about real estate, and you know it, as a young person getting into it, every day's different. Every, and you meet people that all have different attitudes and ideas and and uh, goals and such. And uh, to me, that's what's fun. That's why it's such a great business. And the other thing, and I, I know there are other cities where the people get along well, but I think Columbus is a little different. Uh, and if you were ask me or Skip uh, who our closest friends are, many of them would be our colleagues. Uh, and we, you say, well, you mean your competitors? I, I don't use the word competitors. I don't think we're competitors. We're all in this together, and we all benefit by helping each other. And, uh, you know, it's like the boat uh, rising tide. The, the, the greater we can make the tide, the, the better we are. And yeah. so we, we're all working together and meeting different people every day. So that's a long answer to your question. But I love the that. people are really what makes the business so good. Yeah. And I think that's a great outlook to have because when you're doing things for the best interest of the community and the people around you, it's a much different outcome than if you're doing it just to make money and for your own company and your own good. Yeah. And let me just tell you about making money. If you focus on the commission, you're not going to be successful. Mm -hmm. Forget the commission. It'll come. In fact, it's kind of the irony of it is the less you focus on it, the the more you, the more business you make. Yeah. If you just focus on trying to be of service to people, 
And I have to add in there having fun, because if you're not having fun, you're in the wrong business. I love that. Uh, yes. But uh, the commission, mm -hmm. uh, right now, of course, things are going so well. It's it's a cyclical business, and we're enjoying the, the height right now. Yeah, yeah. But there's a whole cycle. You're right. you got to yeah. be prepared for all of it. So You are, and it's... The toughest part of the business, I don't know if that's one of your questions, but I'll, <laughs> I'll, ma right. I'll make it one, yeah. uh, is when things are rough, it's so hard sometimes to get back up. Mm -hmm. uh, I think of the famous quote of Winston Churchill, which says, never, never, never give up. Well, it's easier to say it than to to really be able to come back, and especially when times are bad or you've lost the big sale you've worked on for six months, it's tough. It's just, it's just hard to sometimes, but you've got to. Yeah. So that is actually, that's a good segue into my next question. What is, what's one of your biggest challenges that you've come across in your career? I know there's probably many that you could think yeah. of, but what's one of your biggest and maybe how did you overcome that challenge? Probably my biggest challenge in life uh, as far as uh, non-family has been when I was on the Columbus uh, City School Board for about seven years, uh, where I served without distinction. It's a very difficult situation, and it's almost like trying to take a big freighter boat and turn it into a speedboat or something. Mm -hmm. It's... It, the bureaucracy is so big. The whole thing is so large. It's hard to to do things that you want to do. Uh, and uh, I'd say the challenge is with so many kids who come from families where they're not getting the support and the reputation which this city school gets, which I don't think is deserved. Uh, but the challenge was when I was serving on the board trying to make a difference. Yeah. Well, thank you for serving on that board. Yeah, and I know well. that you have made a difference. Um, but I do think it's actually interesting because schools play a huge part in development in general and what you're developing. And um, again, it's important to have an outlook of what's going to benefit the community because, you know, it's probably easy to get focused on the money or focused on what you want the outcome to be. But that is interesting that you are in commercial real estate, but also involved in the school system probably gave you a different outlook as it well. It does. And I would say, uh, if I were giving advice, it's good to find things outside of your core business. Because if, if you... If you don't have some outside interests, uh, then it's going to wear on you, and you're not. And you're going to be much more effective, I think, if you get outside and get involved either in your church or temple or in nonprofit or in some other area altogether. I think it it makes you more better balanced, but it also I think gives you a better perspective of of, you know, what's really sure. important in life. Yeah, it humbles you, yeah. opens your eyes to other things and ideas. I think that's great advice. Yeah, and Ali, I would just say in my own situation, uh, the first organization that I got involved in is because my dad was one of the founders of Pilot Dogs, which provides dogs for the sightless. And 
I can remember the first few years when I f thought I was going to be selling property or selling houses before I flunked out of the course. <laughs> and I'd be showing houses, and I, we were recently married, and my wife would say, you know, have you sold a house today? And I s said no so many times. I finally said, look, you'll be the first to know. Aww. But I, I was discouraged, mm -hmm. and, and so... Uh, I, we had board meetings at the pilot dog home, and I went there, and there were students who were so grateful because we had the, the organization had provided transportation, plus room and board and dog, and then fly them home. And they are so appreciative and so thankful. And I'm thinking, here I am feeling sorry for myself. Mm. What the hell's wrong with you? Yeah. Pardon me. What the heck's wrong oh, with you? Oh, that's all right. Cut that out. <laughs> uh, and. Uh, and really, you start realizing how fortunate you are. And that's why I would say, uh, if if when you have time, obviously those who are new in the business are working very hard and don't have a lot of spare time, but once you do get some spare time, volunteer and do, do something outside of your main field. Yeah, and I've talked a lot about that um, on this podcast of just a work-life balance and having that time outside of work to serve people or to rest and to be with your family or your friends. Because I think, especially in an industry like this, it's easy to get wrapped up in the deals and getting something done where we learned even in COVID that not everything has to be done right now and yes. right here and, you know, because there's more important things in the world. So I, I love that. So development in itself can seem really uh, intimidating because there's a lot to know. And I think the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. Um, what do you wish you knew earlier on in your career about just commercial real estate or the development process? Two things are sure things in development. It's going to take longer than you think. And it's going to cost more than you project. I've yet to be in any development law that hasn't worked out that way. Uh, and you almost get to a place where you say, well, let's project it'll be five years just to be safe. And then it turns out to be eight. Oh, but uh, so it takes longer. Mm -hmm. uh, one of my favorite quotes is from a fellow named Dick Solo and the, the Solove Institute at Ohio State's cancer facility bears his name. He was a very successful commercial developer, a lot of Kroger, Big Bear at the time. And he used to say to be a successful developer, you have to live a long time. <laughs> and he didn't <laughs> so have And I would add to that, and also you have to have deep pockets. <laughs> you have to be able to carry mm -hmm. it. And with with Dick Solo, I can remember out on Hilliard Rome Road, he bought the land, sat with it for at least 25 years, and it was nothing but farmland. Well, then 70 had an interchange there, and now he'll, this is on the west side near Hilliard. And now it's really, a, it became a hotbed of development, but it mm -hmm. took at least 25 years of sitting there. So, and and that's why with development, if you are impatient, it's not the right field for you. It just takes a lot of patience. Yeah, I can definitely see it. Uh, definitely stretches my patience. I can. I'm usually an impatient person, but yeah. it's good for me because I have to wait for. It's obviously at this point, it's not my personal money invested in projects, but no. But you're you know, right you, because if if you're impatient. It's going to frustrate you mm -hmm. because 
it's not something you can force. You can't make development happen ahead of its time sometimes. Mm. Uh, you just have to wait till the market gets there. Mm. And what we found is uh, how we've been able to do well in real estate was to locate land that we feel is in the path of development, path of progress, find out where utilities are going, particularly highways. And most of our developments are in close proximity to the interstate highway and specifically to interchanges. So I mentioned uh, North Star. Mm. We've got an interchange of 71 and 36, as you know. Uh, Polaris has several interchanges. Easton, I mean, you can, you can look around at the different developments going down uh, to Rickenbacker for industrial. They've got the outer belt down there. Uh, but if you can hold on to land, because it does take time, in some cases, many, many years. But the important thing is try to get uh, in an area that's moving towards you. Mm -hmm. If it's not moving towards you, it may be an awfully long time before <laughs> development takes place. Yeah, no, that's good to know. And I think a good reminder for young people who want to yeah. just get in it and make money right now. And it's yeah. just a, a long waiting game, but yeah. also a lot of fun, I'm sure, because you get to predict the future a bit, which I'm sure is fun to do and challenging. Yeah. Um, so... What is your advice for a developing developer, if you will, the young people trying to get into development? I know a lot of people want to do it, um, and there's so much to know about it. What's your advice for the young okay. people? Okay, well, the first thing I would say is when you make a commitment to buy property, unlike uh, stocks, for example, and you say, oh, gee, I wish I hadn't done it. Call my broker, and within a week or two, you have your money back. With development, it's a long-term commitment. And the one disadvantage of real estate in general, and particularly land development, is its lack of liquidity. Mm -hmm. And so you're living with it a long time. And so my advice is to do plenty of research ahead of time. Don't just jump into something. Uh, the other, well, I got several things. That's all right. You this can is, list them this out. Is, this is all free advice. <laughs> you know what free advice is worth, don't you? It's free. It's <laughs> what it's worth. It's nothing. But uh, I would say <clears throat> when you're looking to buy real estate, try to see where you think tomorrow's growth will be. And you can do that by looking at trends. Take Columbus as an example. Our residential trend back in the 50s and 60s was northwest. That took in Grandview and Arlington and then Dublin. With Easton coming along, it pulled it over so that you could say everything north. We like to say from 10 o'clock to 2 o'clock mm -hmm. on your watch. That's the growth area. So I would say if you're looking to get into a major development, uh, that's not the only area. I mean, my friend, uh, partner, uh, Pat Kelly, got into Beulah Park down in Grove City. There are a lot of other areas mm -hmm. t for development. But I'm just saying, if you can see which way the trend is, and in, in the, our city, residential is primarily uh, one side or the other of north. That's just mm -hmm. been the the more active development. So I would say do that. Uh, I would also say... With development, you often will want to get partners. 
We have 12 partners in Polaris. I mean, there's no way I, any one of us could do it by ourselves. So uh, when you pick partners, most important thing is get somebody who has the same chemistry, the same values, the same uh, demeanor, the same enjoyment of life, and who you can trust. If you Absolutely. can't get that, that yeah. don't get it. Don't get in bed with somebody you can't trust. Mm -hmm. I mean, let's just say that in general, but specifically for <laughs> real estate. Uh, and so, and of course, I would add to that. In my case, when you form partnerships, try to find people smarter than you are. Mm -hmm. And I've had no trouble with that. Uh, my <laughs> lifelong partner Don Kelly is a brilliant guy, uh, and we have a lot of fun together. And so. Uh, uh, and I would just say our company policy, maybe you've heard Skip say this, but we really have three a three-pronged policy in what we do. And first of all, we like to be proud of what we do. So if you're going to get into development or do anything else, do something you'd be proud of. It doesn't have to be expensive necessarily. I was mentioning my one of the areas my dad and his partner were building was in Whitehall, uh, the first FHA project, those homes were selling under 15000 at the time. But we were proud of them. You, you know, you can do something that you feel like you have a development that's pleasing. You keep it clean and attractive and such. But anyway, try to be proud of what you do. Secondly, you want to make a profit to stay in business. Now, I would be one to say that you don't need to make a huge profit, just enough so that enough's enough, so that you have enough to live on. If you want to make more than that, that's up to you. But I, that, to me, is not a priority. And then the third priority is having fun. Uh, life goes by so fast, and so you want to associate with people who enjoy life and who have fun, and that means having a positive attitude. Uh, and so. Uh, that's that's kind of where we are, and we've tried to do that as a company. Uh, and the last thing I would just talk about is a new person coming in when you're co-oping with other offices, because uh, if you look over the history of the with the real estate in general and the border realtors, now called the Columbus realtors, you'll see that almost half the sales are co-op. Mm -hmm. And so I would add to what I've just said, look at the other office as if it's your office and try to bend over backwards to co-op because the shoe will be on the other foot. Mm. And so we like to say, try to go 60% of the way into compromising negotiation. If the other people have the same feeling, you're going to have a nice overlap. That's You'll have no problem. True. You'll have no problem making yeah. it happen. That's I love all of that advice. That was great. I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and listen to this again oh, so that I can write it all down. Do, do and... it before bedtime. <laughs> um, I do have one last fun sure. question for you. So um, I know you mentioned having fun, and I know you like to volunteer in your free time. But what is your favorite go-to thing to do when you're off on your weekend or on a vacation? What's your favorite? day? How do you spend it? Well, uh, aside from people, obviously mm -hmm. being with people is. Uh, my loves have been playing tennis. Uh, I've been playing tennis every Thursday morning for 
over 60 years. Oh, my goodness. With the exception of a few operations thrown in there. <laughs> uh, but other than that, I play tennis every Thursday morning. And it's it's not only the tennis is fun. I'm not that great. But uh, it's the social part and the friendships mm -hmm. you build and realizing that winning or losing isn't that important. It's just having fun. Uh, and then I like to sail. I have We have a little sunfish that Missy and I got, uh, oh, gosh, when we first moved out to our little cottage where we spend our summers. Uh, and so I love being out on a sunfish, and we're, we're on a little lake. It's actually more of a big pond called Lake Choctaw. It's two miles by half mile in London, Ohio, about a half hour from downtown. And so I like to spend my weekends on the sunfish or just vegging out on a raft and lying on mm -hmm. the water. So, wow. but, uh, those yeah. are the, those are the big secrets, all the ways to be a successful. Well, and you know, developer. I would say to anyone listening, uh, the old saying about all work and no play, you know, mm -hmm. makes, makes Jack a lot of money, but it's, but it's, it's, it doesn't give you much pleasure sometimes. Mm -hmm. I mean, if uh, if your whole focus is on making money, uh, then uh, you know I'm There's not sure. No you, I'm not sure you're going to reach happiness. Right. Uh, uh, and so, I I do think you need to mix pleasure. And when Missy and I were uh, uh, early years having kids, we had four kids, and I can remember the doctor saying to her. You have got to take a two-week vacation, whether you want to or not, because she was a real homebody. Oh, she yeah. loves to be home. But he says you've got to you've got to go away for two weeks on vacation. So, and I say the same thing for those who are working. If you're working, you know, seven days around the clock, twenty-four-seven. Uh, you know, I've, it's to each his own. So I, I'm not trying to tell right. people what's right or what's wrong. I'm just. I'll just talk about myself. I go crazy doing that. Yeah, yeah. Got to balance it out. Really. And I really think you're much more effective mm -hmm. when you can t get away from it for a few minutes. And it helps the thought process. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for all of your great advice and sharing your experiences <laughs> sure. with us. Allie, thanks for having me. I am I so excited for everyone to listen to this. So thank you again. Not at all. Thank you.